0: This is unbought Power Hour with the about it. Good morning.
1: Good morning.
0: <laughs> How are you?
1: I am tired still for some reason. I
0: see that. Yeah. I can sense
1: that. But I'm gonna I'm make it though. I got, I got the, I got the coffee. You
0: know, oh yeah, here. Nice version. Look how cute my cup is. It's from Colombia. Actually, and it's Colombian coffee. I usually drink the Cuban coffee, but I ran
1: out here. Here I am though.
0: Thanks for thanks for joining us this Sunday. It's about time.
1: Not a problem. I mean, it's been a wacky week, so
0: wacky. Why? I don't so I don't know. I don't know, I don't know. What happened this week? Uh, a couple <laughs>
1: things.
0: <laughs> um, well, good morning. But I don't, I,
1: I don't know if we're kicking off or turning to normalcy this week, hopefully. Like, maybe like Sunday's the beginning of the new week kind of deal. <laughs> so maybe it won't be as strange next week. <laughs> Define normalcy, though. Like, There's that. There's definitely that.
0: All right, Dwight. So... I'm really excited to have you on Unbought Power Hour. Welcome. I've been trying to get you on here since last year. I can say that now. Since last year. I've been trying to get you up here. But you've been super busy um, politicking, getting out the vote, being unapologetic, being unbought. I'm really, really excited just because um, um, a few things. Um, You're not just powerhouse in the state of Florida, but across the country, um, former senator, but you are a dear friend of mine who actually was someone that I um, was checking in when I, before launching Unbot Power, and um, I value your feedback, and you are someone we have, for those who don't know, um, Dwight Bullard is a former senator who, when ran for re-election, was unapologetic on Palestinian human rights and was attacked by the right wing and the Zionist community um, for being consistent with the fight for human rights. So everything you've done since um, has always before has always been something that I hold and carry in this work. And I'm just really excited to have you. I think it would be dope if you can just talk a little bit to that um, before we talk about everything else happening.
1: Yeah, what, everything else? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's... Uh, so let's start by saying, like, Palestinian people are dope. Let's start <laughs> by, <right>? yourself <laughs> and Oh, thank you.
0: Um,
1: you know, I saw Ahmed checked in. Shout out Hi, to, Ahmed! Shout out to booze. <laughs> um, and I guess start there. So, um, you know... There were a number of issues that would come up during the legislative uh, session uh, around taking these kind of just, I don't know, some people call them honorary, I call them arbitrary positions around, um, you know, the protection of other countries. Mm-hmm. And, and understand this, I'm a, I'm a state senator. I know some people, you know, uh, confuse state senators with U.S. senators. So U.S. senators mm-hmm. deal with foreign policy. That's a different That's- conversation. <laughs> state senators deal with state policy, so the idea that uh, folks were trying to use state policy to influence foreign policy, even though that wasn't a thing, uh, always bothered me. Uh, especially when it was in direct contradiction to another set of people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, for those unf- you know unfamiliar with. Uh, boycott, divestment, and sanctions of the BDS movement, you know, uh, at its at its bare bones, um, you know, boycott, divestment, and sanctions are all identified as things we can do under the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States. It's considered free speech. Um, you know, people try to uh, categorize that as some sort of uh, some sort of violent movement, but literally by its definition it is a non-violent action being taken place by indigenous people in a region. Um, and so long story short, the state legislature tried to do a, a number of actions condemning uh, the BDS movement um, or you know uh, can, you know going after businesses that that participated in the boycott, of of the state of Israel, etc., 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 and I just it just it just seemed silly, and <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. It just yeah. it was silly. It was unnecessary. What, what kind
0: of attacks did you get when you were in like the second?
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of the election stuff, that's when it got just dumb, but. It was, you know, it was the it was the unnecessary pressure for me uh, in the in the lead up to that. Right. Where you had like people calling you, oh, you need to take this position. Oh, you know, you know, they they, they give you uh, these kind of thinly veiled threats like, you know, we don't we don't want you to be perceived as anti-Semitic. And it's just like, wait, they're
0: trying to help you out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're like, "Listen, if you do this, I mean, no one will question." And you're just like, "Well, give me, give me the what I've done up to this point. Uh, that's been that, um, you know." But uh, you know, nonetheless, it it carried over into 2016 and 2016 election, and uh, um, and it just got it got nuts. Uh, you know, just to you know, full circle, um, had a chance to visit. Uh, Palestine um, in that same year. Um, amazing, amazing people under you know under such an oppressive uh, kind of space, but still so cool, uh, so you know very familiar and um, and I felt like a, a kinship because it really did remind me mm. of black people, mm. you know, just in terms that. of. Their willingness to share, their willingness to give, their willingness to talk about their history, you know, um, and the nature of the trip was so like culturally diverse. Like it, you know, everyone, you know. Of course, when I came back, everyone was just like, "You over <laughs> there, just with haters and da da da." You, it was like we were like, you know, we were viewing art and sipping coffee, and like, just it was so kind of pure, right? Um. But, in coming back, because I had the audacity to visit Palestine, uh, yeah,
0: the audacity to meet with an oppressed yeah, group
1: of people exactly yeah. they decided that uh that I must have been clearly as a mind you as a constitutional officer of the state of Florida, I was over there uh trying to collaborate with uh terrorists and so, <laughs> <laughs> and so that that was the line of attack that uh. That I got. Uh, I always tell the story. I was sitting on my couch, minding my business, and I'm watching MSNBC. and I'm like half asleep, um, and I hear this commercial like, "Do you know the real Dwight Bullard? And I was like,
0: "Stop!" What?
1: Yeah, I was like, "Go and know the real Dwight Bullard. I was like, "I was like, I'm." You're like, "You sound familiar." I like, yeah, I was like, "I'm curious. I, I do know the real Dwight Bullard, but this commercial <laughs> is about to tell me something different." And so it was. I woke up, you know. I, popped up, and it was literally the planes flying into the Twin Towers. Gotcha. Uh, you know, pictures of me in a, in, a, in a hoodie and, you know, darkened and the whole nine yards. And, and they were unapologetic about the mischaracterization and the lies that they wanted to tell. But it was what it was. I mean, uh, you know... People say negative messaging doesn't work, but unfortunately, too often times yep. it does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they say in media, like, even if they, they release um, inaccurate information and by the time they try to fix it, um, people already believe the first iteration. And this is obviously slander and trying to push misinformation. Um, so thank you for sharing your story. You actually said an interesting word. Um, speaking of Ahmed, Ahmed and I, um, are on Clubhouse, you know, Dwight is still an Android user, so
1: that's, Team that. Android, <laughs> <laughs>
0: so Ahmed and I are on this Clubhouse app. That's like, it feels like AOL vibes and, but it's, um, like all audio and obviously as like Palestinians, as organizers, we're like, all right, let's, let's make use of this. Um, let's build. We created a club called Palestine My Mind. So yesterday we had about like our third, we hosted like our third conversation. um, And, you know, we said white nationalists storm the capital. What does that mean for Palestinians? What does it mean for us? But a lot of the conversation started to talk about using the term terrorism um, and the harm it has had on black and brown communities. And that people were kind of debating on whether or not you can... Reframe that, reform that, and then um, so from a comms debate, but also just um, a legal debate on, like, would they actually be charged with terrorism? And I think um, knee-jerk reaction, we want to call them. We want to call these white supremacists and how they were just this whole insurrection of how they stormed the Capitol. um, We want to use that term, but just kind of curious. on what you think of that term just because it's been used to criminalize black and brown communities since really like the civil rights movement we had so many civil rights um leaders black leaders that were really like when we're talking about the feds we're talking about just all these law enforcement agencies that use these programming to criminalize which terrorism is like this whole blanket statement right like uh, (laughs) of there's so many different definitions of what that is so like for our just like these black and brown communities we talk about pushing back against that term using words like white supremacist um um insurrection or what do you feel just because I've seen just like even in the state of Florida um I was telling them yesterday that um you know obviously DHS Department of Homeland Security came after September 11th Um, the CVE programming, all of that, right? So those are used severely in the Muslim community. Um, And just like I think about the shooting in South Florida, the high school, um, and how the shooter was actually reported several times and they supposedly have funding to take care of domestic terrorism. But yet um, it continues to be failed when, charging white people white supremacists um with that so kind of just curious on where where you fall in that line of terminology and like just how when we speak about this issue but also how do we what does accountability look like because white supremacists, as a whole
1: right so let's just go statistically first right um since 9 11 uh the most common practitioner of, uh, you know, whether it be rampant gun violence, whether it be what we, you know, what would be called domestic terrorism, are white people, right? right? Um, But they have not uh, gotten the same level of consequence Mm -hmm. uh, as black and brown people. Um, And to your point, like, what's what's so fascinating about the American system is that uh, you have entire programs Put in place to suppress Black and Brown people Mm -hmm. by the government um, that are then created for that reason. So DHS, you know, we talk about this notion of homeland security, but it's literally a new department that is created, you know, out of the cries of the uh, USA Patriot Act to basically spy on people, Mm -hmm. um, heavy surveillance, right? Yeah, and keep tabs on uh, predominantly Black and Brown people uh, in these moments, and so. On the rare occasion where, you know, someone who is black or brown is investigated or found to be that, there's like this, you know, raising of, uh, raising of the notion or, you know, good thing we have this system in place and blah, blah, blah. But then when you have, again, situations like Stoneman Douglas or Mm -hmm. Sandy Hook or, you know, you know, we get, we get the lone wolf speech. We get the, you know, we need to focus on mental health we get the you know uh this is a troubled youth you know kind of kind of narrative that gets played out which is let's just be frank it's bs right it's 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 an unfair um you know it it does a disservice to this idea uh of you know to the you know to the notion of americanism you know mm-hmm. this american dream that everyone's you know created equal under the law when you literally have that level of hypocrisy um okay. playing out in terms of actual state and federal policy um so yeah uh you know long you know as as we think about what happened uh this past week um it was insurrection it was insurrection under the framing of the constitution under the the clearly defined definition mm-hmm. that was established by folks like john adams john quincy adams and, mm-hmm. and george washington and the reason i say that that's the case is because part of the reason why they put that definition you know in statute was because that's exactly what they did to get to wrestle the country away from england right like they did everything that would have been considered insurrection, would have been considered insubordination, would have been considered terrorism. And then when they framed the country, they're like, Well, we don't want that to happen again. Right, right. So, <laughs> so let's define uh, that so that no one can, you know, you know, uh, show up and, and, and kind of do what we did uh, in the future. And and for the most part that is That has been kind of a consistent policy. Like, you know, like a lot of people, what was lost on a lot of folks was, you know, we talk about the Capitol being breached. And it was like, capital being breached, you know, what does this mean? Like, understand that no force, mm-hmm. you know, mob, violent group of folks, et cetera. And I say violent group of folks because let's be clear, five people died. One of them was a Capitol Police officer who was beaten with a fire extinguisher. Wow, I did by, not know that. I... These, by, by these folks, right? And so, you know, that that hasn't happened in this country in 207 years. And I want you to think about all the things mm. that have taken place. And I'll give you another example of, uh, you know, kind of where the government showed, uh, showed up. Um, there was a situation in which uh, world war one veterans around the great depression uh, were in it where I had an expectation for a payment that was due to them. That was going to be sort of like social security payment. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they marched on Washington. These are all former veterans uh, marched on Washington to try and uh, get their money um, before they could get to the Capitol. And these are mostly white veterans. Before they could get to the capital, the U.S. Army was used to suppress veterans of the U.S. Army yeah. to get the money that they were deserving of. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this is unfamiliar to people to right. suppress people who are who could potentially, uh, you know, disrupt the flow of government. Take a step further, you know, when the March on Washington happens in 1963. Uh, you know, it's happening in the National Mall. It's not happening near the Capitol. This is on the Lincoln Memorial. Mm-hmm. But it is well documented that the FBI had infiltrators within the crowd. You had National D.C. National Guard on standby because at that time it was the largest uh, group of, uh, you know, folks in that space at one time. And there was the the real concern that these black folks who were, you know, well it was a mixture of black and white folks but these people who are fighting for you know justice mm-hmm. might actually you know do something to yeah. do something more right um so I, so i cite these examples that the government has no problem uh in its history you know putting down insurrection or the, the potential of insurrection this is a unique circumstance because you have a president who was inciting it uh, along with all his people. And you have uh, members in the government that were complicit in creating these circumstances. Um,
0: so I, I guess I, I wanted to ask you, like, even before we jumped in is just like, what was going through your mind when this was happening? Right. Like, I think a lot of us um, like as black and brown communities are just kind of like, this is why people problem, but like, also like as, As chaotic as it like, just, like, learning about the news, like, trying to process it, it's like, yeah, of course this is happening. This has been – y'all have allowed this to happen. And so a part of it is not just Donald Trump. It's not just the GOP, like, Dwight. Like, a lot of it is establishment Democrats or folks that um, have been complicit in just, like, what accountability looks like and what it means to – well you know defend black lives what it means to be um so for that's one part of it and then another part of my like a visceral reaction that i had is just like how does this translate into just pockets of our different communities when folks are feeling emboldened and inspired by these people that were literally given the green light to do this and given the green light literally but also leading up to it and what does that look like and just kind of like what were your thoughts and on that
1: well i mean it was my my initial thought was this is textbook white supremacy at the end of the day like you know and i think so most most folks at this point uh of the you know of the internet generation etc did not grow up in an overt you know Mm -hmm. overtly racist kind of uh society right um so you know i say that to say that you know no one's had to drink from a black or white water fountain. Mm. Mm. No one's had to go to a black or white uh, restroom or any of these things that were very kind of like concrete forms of extreme racism. Mm -hmm. Um, It is the nuance of white supremacy that is kind of, you know, um, been tough to explain to folks like, you know, the war on drugs and what that looks like, Um, you know, uh, a, a broken, uh, or I shouldn't say a broken, but a a, a racist criminal justice <laughs> system that is that has been doing what it's been doing for a long time, uh, but disproportionately affecting black and brown people, uh, even though they, they represent smaller portions of the population. Uh, you know, and it's it intertwines through a number of different things. Healthcare system, you name it. Mm. Um so to see that happen in real time, I hope, you know, for me it was just like I hope people appreciate like what white supremacy looks like or like what mm-hmm. white privilege looks like what white supremacy looks like because the idea that they could go in there
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then basically let's be clear i know they're used a little tear gas but for the most part these folks were just escorted out <laughs> that, that
0: you know, like that was one of the first things that people were like oh where's the tear gas all of a sudden like because yeah. when you know black and brown protesters on the street they're met with a sea of bullets and um if they're not being shot at or you know have tear gas they're being detained aggressively and viciously and so yeah and then there's that whole thing there's that whole discussion too about um why are folks calling on um it wasn't necessarily that we were calling on law enforcement because as you know as an abolitionist we don't want law enforcement but we're just saying like, where are you now? Like you're saying that you need to use this kind of force and brutality against, um, specifically black com- protesters. Where, like, where is it now?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. No mass arrests. No, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, and, it, and it's like, I, I saw a couple of friends check in who are, who are some of the organizers. Hello, of some of these summers events, um, vanya specifically i I saw her check-in who organized one of the black lives matter Mm -hmm. marches um in uh in south florida and it's stuff like that where like in order to do a peaceful protest Mm -hmm. as a black person Mm -hmm. it's almost like you have to be complicit with law enforcement right Mm -hmm. meaning like you can't just freely organize an event you know you have to have the permission of law enforcement in order to exercise your First Amendment right, because you know they'll say, "Well, we want to do it to protect you," or doing. Whatever. Listen, it's all part of you trying to control the parameters in which somebody's, uh, you know, speaking out. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas like- these folks, these folks had a rally uh, of over ten thousand people in central DC without so much as a police barricade without so much as, not, like there wasn't even like uh, an, an emergency operations center for the possibility of this going sideways. And the thing that bothers me about it is these folks came into town armed. Like, yep. let's let's Yo. be clear. Like,
0: <laughs> and, and here, obvi- like, first of all, there's very high insecurity on the Capitol. But if they know of a protest, um, happening for Black Lives Matter or, you know, um, Dreamers, all of it. It's They are more than prepared to take down these protesters. And what's interesting is that I didn't hear about it, but my mom was the one telling me, like, oh, the Trump people, they're going to go on January 6th. I was like, no, Mama, you're getting confused with, like, Inauguration Day. Like, I literally had no idea. And the fact mm-hmm. that, um, first of all, let's be clear, like, when Black and brown people are protesting is it's for freedom it's for liberation it's to stop murdering right. people in the streets right and they're literally storming the capital for what right and it's like they, so they right. weren't they were not just not met with brutality they were basically welcomed um you. and i i wanted to ask you just kind of like I don't know how deep we want to go into sloppy Florida politics, but just like DeSantis used this as an opportunity to, um, like, further advance this this problematic legislation around protesters being charged with what was it felony or what is it? What's going on there?
1: Just like, yeah, so they have. He's been proposing now for a while this uh, what he calls an anti-riot bill. Um, which again is 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 really the most suppressive, and it was really a direct reaction to Black Lives Matter. Meaning, you mm-hmm. know, he uh, the most the most egregious part of it was that if uh, a protest happens to take, you know, move to the actual street, that a driver could mow down protesters mm-hmm. and suffer no liability mm-hmm. for 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 actually potentially killing somebody with their car. Um, like I want you to think about that. I want you to think about a sitting United States governor putting the citizens of his state directly in harm's way and directly in conflict with another group of people. And just marinate on that for a while, right? Like it's 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 mind boggling that you would do it. Then it take a step further. He wants to do an expansion of "Stand Your Ground" that would uh, basically legalize uh, the shooting of a potential looter. Now, what do I mean? Now, when you ask, "What is a potential looter?" That's right. I have no idea what a potential looter. is. literally,
0: like. the language is potential looter.
1: Yeah, I mean, just you know, because the, because it's kind of like the rural, if you're
0: anticipating a looter.
1: Right, because remember, staying your ground a is basically a fear yeah. factor, right? right? So it's like if I feel threatened by somebody, mm-hmm. I can I can shoot them. You know that that's what stand your ground is. Now this basically says if you feel that this person's about to threaten property, you can shoot. Them. So I want you to think about if you're just going into Target. Mind it, your it's
0: like uh, stand your <laughs> ground on steroids, as if like this right. thing is just like it's just like policies exist and they haven't been dismantled in these racist systems so it's like what can we like do next to, like and I just want to take it back and I feel like that the first piece that the DeSantis is trying to push regarding just like that was came out of um, just the Black Lives Matter and uh, post George Floyd protests in Florida um, is I just For me, like, I, you know, I like to take it back to the drawing board and like, like back to like, you know, how do we continue to get
1: here, right?
0: Because we know that this racist system has been in place, like we understand that's not new, but just last year, or now, I guess two years ago, (laughs) but, you know, Dwight, the anti-Semitism bill passed in the state of Florida, right, which dangerously, and it passed unanimously, so, we're talking about our Democrat champions, the AOCs of Florida, the progressives, quote, you know, I don't even like to use that word anymore, of Florida, yes. not only passing this legislation, but feeling very proud about passing this legislation that um, dangerously equates the criticism of Israel. Um, with anti-Semitism which is targeted to specifically black and brown activists and organizers on campus and then you know a couple years before that 2016 we had the anti-BDS legislation or um and so for me it's like for folks acting shocked or surprised that like now there's this piece like why what do they think is going to happen when you're literally okay with criminalizing one group of activists right so i don't know just that's where my mind went like yeah obviously this is terrible obviously this is awful but as like people on the other side of the aisle like these legislators like you you know you were you you gotta i feel like they gotta buckle down on just like you know making sure this accountability process isn't just for one community over another community and and i and i feel like that's why we continue to lose in the state of florida you know it's because we keep trying to talk to this base that's never going to listen to us right um, and in the duration of that people are still being impacted specifically the black and brown communities so i just kind of want to am i am i Yeah
1: No, no, no. I mean, you're making making perfect sense to me. I think, let's unpack anti-Semitism for a second, right? Like, a lot of people don't fully appreciate that to be anti-Semitic means that you are being discriminatory to people of a region. It's oftentimes been pigeonholed as, you know, anti-Jewish or anti-Israeli, but it's really anti-Arab, right? And so I say that to say that you're not you know, when you don't have that same energy around the Muslim ban, mm-hmm. when you don't have that same energy around the mistreatment of people, um, you know, who re- who are having their human rights violated on a, on a continuous basis, um, you know, when you didn't have that same energy when people were being unfairly targeted post 9-11, mm-hmm. um, just because of their religious background, uh, then don't come talking to me about, you know, anything else right mm-hmm. like this notion of like especially and I, i'm just gonna keep wondering as a black person <laughs> definitely don't come to me talking about persecution in this country mm-hmm. right like like you have you know like you have no right you know what i'm saying to get up in my face and expect me to be complicit in you know picking favorites mm-hmm. uh in 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 the in this space and you know and I take my tenure in the legislature as an example, right? Mm -hmm. So you got all this anti-BDS legislation, all this thing, you know, we have to protect the state of Israel. We have to protect the state of Israel. Hey, stand your ground is detrimentally impacting Black people specifically. That's right. The polling came out that 89% of Black people did not, felt threatened by the presence of stand your ground. Mm -hmm. 89% of Black people.
0: Is that in the state of Florida?
1: 89? Yeah, no, it's been 89%. 89% of people polled mm-hmm. that were black felt this was a threat, a direct, and, you know, directly targeting them in terms of legislation.
0: And, it, and to be clear, Yet, it has targeted black, the black community. Right. It, it,
1: it. Yet, when you bring this up, not only have they did, not only was it not addressed, it was then further expanded to further impact Black people, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like this whole, uh, what I hate is people who are holier than thou about wanting to protect the, you know, protect people. And then when, you know, other things come up, they all of a sudden put their blinders on or they, they become super forgetful that there are other people out here in the world uh, that are that are feeling threatened. You know what I mean? Like, and, and then the stuff that they do is just, you know, like I, I, an example, if, you know, you're, you're in Central Florida, uh, a lot of people don't know about the Ocoee Massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you can imagine black people being audacious enough to own their own homes and then <sighs> local government being like, oh, we want that land back. And instead of saying, well, you know, here's a fair price to buy your property, what we're going to do is terrorize you and move you off that property. Deeds were burned, evidence of Black people's existence in that space, you know, going away. You know, Okui, Rosewood, all these different spaces, yet the state legislature, when, when offering up this information, will sit there and be like, uh that's terrible that that happened back then and you're just like I don't like like what like we have an 89 90 billion dollar budget and you're telling me you can't you can't compensate you know the 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 ancestors of people who were wrongly and viciously uh, you know mistreated and had their property taken away and people were killed in the process and it's like so like the hypocrisy just really like You know, it'd be one thing if it was like balanced, but it always seems to skew towards one group that gets levels of protection, levels of consideration. You know, we want to condemn South American countries. We want to condemn, you know, uh, you know, Muslim countries. We want to condemn Mm -hmm. all these people, you know, through legislation. But we don't do a self-evaluation and be like, we're pretty raggedy as a state, too. Like, we have a... We we really are. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. we've had a we've had a problematic history of the way in which we've treated people, especially indigenous people, especially people of color, especially, you know what I mean? Like, and then, you know, but don't want to make amends for the mistakes that we've made. And that it that in itself is is problematic because generations will, will come through, you know, new legislators will come through with no kind of understanding of the of the longer-term impact of that you know what i mean like like let i want you to understand like rosewood in a in a nutshell from a geopolitical standpoint it wasn't it wasn't fully appreciated that uh that this was a thing until the 19 i think it was the 1990 census and they took a a heat map of the state and realized why are there no black people in this weird section near Gainesville? Mm-hmm. Like, just why? Why is it's there like, just like no? black people? They're just like you know, they're here, they're here, but like not in here at all. Like not in this little this little space. And people are just like, well, it might have to do with this this area called Rosewood. And people were just like, what's Rosewood? All right, like what? Like, and I want you to understand how deep this goes. You're talking about people who own their own home create an environment, uh, were self-sufficient, had their own businesses, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And the state of Florida was complicit in completely eradicating the existence of this place through the 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, 1960s, so forth and so on. Until some researchers from FAMU were like, oh, by the way, this happened, right? You know what I'm saying? But,
0: like, even when you think about the state of Florida, it's just... What is it under... What's Some of the um, segregated schools are just, like, as early as how many years ago? What, like, the 50 years ago that they just became desegregated? Like, it's not... Like, Florida's still... It's not that long I, ago when you think about it, you know, and, like, meeting people I, I,
1: that... I tell folks all the time, my dad went to a segregated school, so I want you to think about that. Like, I'm only one generation removed from somebody mm-hmm. who who attended segregated schools, so everyone likes to make it seem like this was so long ago. Mm-hmm. It's like, nah, man. Like,
0: you know, okay. we had
1: schools that weren't weren't desegregated until 1968, even though Brown v. Board had, uh, had happened in 1954, so... You know, like, yeah. yeah, we can go on and on about about the the the, the short sightedness of the state of Florida. But I just, you know, to your point around progressives and all these other folks, you all like I need them to have a little bit more courage. You know what I mean? Like I shouldn't say a little bit, a lot more courage, um, because it's convenient to go up to Tallahassee and cajole and and, and high five and compromise with these folks that have basically uh, given you their ass to kiss for, for mm-hmm. a long time, right? Um, and then fight for table scraps. Um, but if you're not yeah. up there trying to enact some bold, visionary legislation...
0: Now why are you there? That
1: move, yeah, that 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 really kind of upholds the notion of liberation of, of people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, mass incarceration is an issue florida florida is the worst state per capita in terms of mass incarceration in the country, mm-hmm. the country isn't, in- isn't
0: orlando police department like one of the like worst uh police departments in the country too and it's yeah, like I mean, that, it. and that's orlando this progressive city like they obviously were the ones from one of the one agencies that travel to Israel to get trained by the Israeli defense force right so i mean
1: yeah, yeah. But, but to your point they had a consent degree during the obama administration because of too many occurrences of of, of officer you know officer involved shooting mm-hmm. you know so you know i mean this this is nothing new under the sun i just need people to like stop acting like everything's cool uh we got real we got real problems that need to be fixed.
0: we have a bunch of loud liberals in the state of florida and for me it's just sometimes i feel like i don't know we had the fdp elections yesterday right do we want to talk about what your thoughts are on that (laughs) wait i I didn't hear what you said
1: i'm just rolling my eyes that that was what you heard it was was a loud You know, with with all due respect, because I, you know, I know folks who ran, I know folks who won, you know, uh, I like them as individuals, but there's a deeper rooted problem in the FDP Mm. that no one wants to address. Right. And that is that, um, that we're not, you know, like the, the, the structure of the FDP does not lend itself to any sort of major reform and thus Uh, you don't have you know you don't have an entity that is going to do something different you know Georgia by comparison so everyone wants to lift up Georgia the reason Georgia can do what Georgia does is because they had to tear their Democratic Party down to the core Mm -hmm. and build it up from scratching it right because Georgia much like Florida still had a good old boy system in place where you had uh, a lot of white Democratic officials, who were trying to run the show, and it took, you know, dynamic black women to be like, I don't know if you know, if you know this, but your base is black people, and the fact that black, black people don't women have these, paving yeah, the way, that, where the
0: burden shouldn't even land on, right? But
1: right, uh, but you know, Nikema Williams, Congresswoman Nakima Williams was the chair of the, who's a uh, chair of the Georgia Democratic Party you know doesn't get the credit she deserves mm. for you know creating the space and saying that rather than fight progressive organizations like fair fight or new georgia project or black voters matter let's work in collaboration as a as a state party with these entities that are deliberately trying to have a conversation in communities that have been left out right mm-hmm. especially Communities that have felt slighted by the Democratic Party historically, like you gotta, the 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 way in which you create change is by recognizing your faults, right? First, and that's the thing that the uh, Florida Democratic Party isn't doing. We, you know, we elect this, the new officers.
0: It's like this bizarre echo chamber. Like, it's. I just feel like we gotta move away from these facts like away from the like, these feelings it's like facts over feelings like where it's floridians the residents of the state of florida that are hurting it's not about just like i don't know i just feel like the fdp is an echo chamber even going to 2018 when um, Gillum's race, when we move from the primary to the general. I'm not going to get into all that right now,
1: but you brought, <laughs> you
0: brought up, <laughs> you know. I saw you know. what
1: you did. It was a nice little segue. That was good. You, you um, already know, all right? That's and, and,
0: not your
1: little segue. It's cool.
0: <laughs> you, you brought up Georgia, right? And, you know, um, there's a lot of conversation about just like for like Democrats to have no excuse at this point. Right. Like, and I think um, another piece of it is under a Trump administration, like he's a fascist. He's there. The white supremacy is real. It's overt. You can see it. You can feel it like it's in our face. But under (laughs) uh, a Biden administration. What is scary is that the white supremacy is going to go unnoticed um because it is not in our face right and it and i think when we think about these white allies um they're gonna go back to sunday brunch and i hope socially distance but like and all of this is going to continue to fall under the radar as it has been since the inception of this country like we're talking about you know overt versus just um these policies and legislations that continue to um, criminalize Black and Brown communities. We're talking about even with COVID 19, right? Like um, the Black community was disproportionately impacted. The disparities are enhanced, but this wasn't something new within the Black community. It was just amplified under this global pandemic. Black women continue to um, not be taken seriously in the medical care offices they continue to uh die disproportionately when it comes to just pregnancies so this isn't something new so when we think about the racism that exists outside of a fascist administration it's kind of like oh well here's this cleaner dirty shirt you know and it's exhausting um so under this biden administration for me you know as a palestinian as a muslim woman i'm i'm not excited um uh, I, what I saw in Georgia was beautiful, just, like, because of the grassroots organizers on the ground. But I, I do have to talk about just, like, Warnock and how, um, you know, he, he seemed like this radical pastor that was for the people. And just, like, to, you know, I, I watched his video. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm just about, like, his... And, it, you know, it didn't obviously... <laughs> I feel like maybe in his heart, he's still for the Palestinian people. I can't speak on his behalf, but just to like throw the Palestinian community behind. And for me, it's like a place like Georgia, like, would you have lost if you stuck? Like, I don't think, I feel like you could have still won um, on this, this ground of inconsistency. Like there's a large Muslim community in Georgia, um, Arab Palestinian population. And so for me, it's like, okay, well at this point, like Democrats, Democrats, have no excuse to not be bold because right now we have obviously the squad aoc rashida Elhan, but now we have jamal bowman we have corey bush i mean corey bush is just like she's already pop- <laughs> she's already popping off right like she's oh, yeah. ready to un unseat and that's and that's what we need so like that's what i'm excited for but i'm also there's this fear like that it's just going to get worse under an administration where it's not so in people's faces.
1: No, I mean, that that, that's always been the case, right. Where, you know, uh, racism, uh, you know, xenophobia, et cetera, you know, gets, gets kind of swept under the rug during certain administrations mm-hmm. and then you go ahead and, and give those administrations passes. Uh, for doing it, and, and you know, I'll just be be frank from a you know from a you know failure to address uh, systemic racist policies, right? Like we know what Clinton did under you know with the ninety four crime bill, we know, um, you know what happened there. But the idea that a you know someone who is a civil rights attorney and a legal scholar, uh, you know, who happens to be president by the name Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. A failure to address that knowing knowing that that exists during your administration uh, is is problematic, right? Um, and it has nothing to do with like, well, I don't want to take you know bold steps because I'm the first, but no, it's like right is right, wrong is wrong, right? You have a situation in which you've had an explosion of mass incarceration that has detrimentally mm-hmm. impacted you know one group over another. You you know you you bring in the first black attorney general, uh, two of them, the first two black attorney general, um, and then don't do anything substantive. Like you know I, I I appreciate the the release and the expungement of folks for drug policies and things of that nature, but. Like, you could have done so much more, right? Um, and so now the question becomes, uh, your wingman is now president. Uh, and is he going to do something bold and innovative? He's, you know, his running mate is somebody who has her own track record as a prosecutor. <laughs> um, but at the same time, once he has at least talked about the notion of reform, and and now you have control of both chambers, so, what does that look like? you know what I mean what is I don't think and to your point, I don't think anyone's gonna fight you if you were to put something in place that was like a repeal and replace of ninety four crime like no one no one's you know gonna say that reduction of mass incarceration is a bad idea, considering we're the most carceral country in the world mm. <laughs> like you know what I'm saying? Like when Russia and China are doing better than you at something. That is that is problematic. You should rush to try to change that dynamic. Um, so to the issue around the Palestinian people, there there's. Well, another, I also want to say
0: about like Warnock was also like he wasn't from for defund the police from the jump, or did that change?
1: Right.
0: Or he was just never for defunding the police, like. Well,
1: that's the thing. Everyone tries the nuance and and and. Pivot Center, you know, it's... What I hate about politics by and large is all your consultants will sit around and, and tell you, well, you can't take this position because it's not polling well. Or you can't take this position because it's hard to explain. But um, but defund the police is not, in my opinion, is not controversial. It's not. Um, it's just not. It's, it's not when you look at what defund... By definition means, right? Like everyone automatically says, you know, and this is what what always kills me is like when I'm having this conversation with black people, and they're like, we can't get rid of the police department all it's like, wait, 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 defund and abolish or eradicate are two totally different things. Now don't get it twisted. I would I-, I would love to envision a world in which we don't have to, you know, rely on, you know, a militarized force to help keep us under control like I I dream of a, a day in place where we can practice self-governance mm. um where we don't rely on it right but and 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 just for those who've never picked up a history book <laughs> the idea of a police force is only mm. only about 150 years old uh, meaning that we did not have large-scale police forces in this country.
0: And also understanding, like, the intention of its commission and why it was commissioned. Yes. To...
1: Yeah, so, so you know, like, it, it, it's happened in the past. We can do it again. Uh, but, you know, when he's talking about defund the police, you know, yet, yet we see what's happening to education funds. We see what's happening to healthcare funds. We see what's happening to environmental protection funds. That is... I don't know if people know that's defunding. When the government <laughs> moves, refor- moves resources yeah. from those programs into another thing, that's that's what defunding looks like. So, what I want to clarify for those who you know who don't know, right, mm-hmm. is that even in the midst of financial crisis, there's never been a cutting of law enforcement funds. At the state level, city level, whatever it's always like it's always net positive for police in in these cities. Like you you go through your budgets historically. I encourage people because it's all public record. Look at the budget for your city over the last ten years. And the reason I say last ten years is because we had an economic crisis ten years ago, mm-hmm. and what you will not see at any point was a reduction of law enforcement dollars. You will see you'll see a reduction in transportation you'll see a reduction in health care you'll see a reduction in a bunch of things but you will not see city of orlando city of kissimmee city of miami you will not see a reduction in law enforcement mm-hmm. at any point in time even when we needed money
0: that's right i you know i could talk to you all day <laughs> It looks like we ha- um, Instagram is going to cut us off in a couple of minutes, but um, I just wanted to, like, give you your flowers. Like, at all the work you do in um, the state of Florida and beyond, and just and you've been doing it for a minute. Um, I would love if you can close out considering last year. The, this year has already been rough, right? But, like, just, you know, what do you do to like take care of yourself, Dwight? And I hope you're doing that. And like, just like some words of encouragement, maybe folks uh, might resonate with just like, what do you do to like keep going in this work? Like, what is it that, you know, continues to fuel you?
1: Well, um, I'm going to share with you something I learned back in college, learned of the concept back in college, but didn't fully appreciate it until I became an adult. And, um, uh, there's a book called African World Revolution by uh, Dr. John Henry Clark. Um, and Dr. Clark talks about the essential selfishness of survival. Um, and the best example I can give, the best analogy I can give is that if you uh, were stuck on an island with you know a group of people and you are the best fisherman or fisherwoman on the island, um, meaning that only you are successful at bringing in the sustenance that these people need to survive. If you do not get the proportion that you need in order to stay strong, Mm. um, everyone else will perish, right? Um, And so people have to remember that, that you have to be deliberate about some some version of self-care. You have to be deliberate about, you know, making sure your mental health is good. You have to make sure that your family structure is intact. Otherwise you're no good uh, to, to, to greater humanity, right? And so, so that's what I would encourage people to do is like, you know, it sounds you know, like selfishness. Is like, sometimes you gotta do it, right? You have to take a step back, right? Because the fight's always gonna be there, you know? Like oppression has been around for a while and it's not going to end tomorrow. Right. So if you decide to go get your nails done mm-hmm. tomorrow, I promise you there'll still be oppression to fight the day after. Right? Yeah. I <laughs> haven't gotten
0: my nails done since the, the pandemic. So don't remind me, but you know, no everything, <laughs> everything you've said, um, is beautiful. And I just want to say as a friend, I'm forever grateful to have you in my life. And like, you've always been a sounding board for me and so many other people. And, um, yeah, sometimes it feels unsafe to stop or rest. So I appreciate the, the affirmation. And any last thoughts before we go?
1: Um, you know, we're going to be celebrating MLK's birthday on, uh, on this week. Um, Jeez, you right? know, uh, with that, there's always a notion of doing a day of service
0: uh, mm-hmm. in
1: response to that around that holiday. So if there's something out there, if there's a food distribution, uh you know you being able to, to lend your helping hand to another human being take advantage of it this this upcoming week
0: beautiful Alrighty. all righty thank you so much senator appreciate you yes, ma'am. Uh, <laughs> right. I'll talk to you yeah, later thanks everybody right. bye